Amber Klimczak. And we are Two Peaks in a Pod. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. We are having a good week. Dr. K has been retrieving a lot of eggs today, right? Yeah, we had some great egg retrievals today. I think we got more than expected on my last three, so feeling really good. It's nice to kind of over-deliver. Amazing. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. And I've just gotten the final embryo update on one of my retrievals from last week, and she got so many beautiful, we got eight beautiful embryos. Oh my gosh. So I'm just so, so happy. Um, So we're having a good week. It's a great great week. Um, okay, well, I've got a little pop culture story for you. Now, we, you know, I love to talk about the Kardashians. They're, I mean, they're like family to me. <laughs> and, um, and we know that Kourtney Kardashian is pregnant. And, um, and unfortunately, and this is really sad, she's been getting some criticism from people lately hmm. who essentially have been coming to her saying, you're too old. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I think she's 44. I was like, how old is she? Yeah, I think yeah. she's like okay. 44. Um, Wait, and, and remind me, sorry, which Kardashian are we talking about? So we're talking about Courtney. Oldest. I think she is the oldest okay. Kardashian. Yeah. The little one. Yes. Okay. She's so cute. Okay. Um, and she had already had kids with her prior partner, Scott. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then yeah. she okay. and Scott broke up. And then she found Travis. I think that's his name. And they have been together. And they really went to have a baby together. We always call it NFL, Newfound Love. So <laughs> NFL. And so um, they had tried IVF together, even on the Kardashian show, and it did not work for them. And then they said, okay, like, we're just going to stop trying. And then all of a sudden they got pregnant. Now, allegedly, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. This is the whole thing where she was holding the sign. Okay. Same couple. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, what, whether they got pregnant naturally on their own or not, that's what they're telling people, which is their prerogative. Um, but, um, but yeah, now people are criticizing, which I do think is really sad. That's not anybody's place to criticize somebody yeah. for being too old for. And we said 44. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so they asked her for a comment about it and she says, you know what? Those comments don't affect me. I just say, how could you question God's plan? Because that's how I see this pregnancy. And that's because when she and Travis had, they weren't even thinking about trying anymore. A year after they stopped IVF, that's when it happened for them. And so fortunately, even though she's getting all this negative feedback, she apparently is not letting it face her at all. But I thought this could be a good diving out point for us to talk about how old is too old. Oh gosh! <laughs> because this is it's a loaded question. Up. It's something that comes out quite a bit, right? Absolutely. But I will tell you. I don't know how you feel about it, but one of my most common things is I have my sweet little patients come in for their new patient visit, and they say, "Doctor Reed, I'm so old," and I'm looking at my paper, and I'm like, what? "Same." <laughs> I get that all, all the time. <laughs> Like, okay, if you think that you're old, then I'm in really big trouble. <laughs> I'm like, you're like a little spring check. Yes. I don't even know what you're talking about. So I think number one, I see a lot of patients who think they're old and they're not they're not even close to being old. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree. And that's even meeting people out. I'm like, oh no, come see me as a patient. You would I would love to see you as my patient. You'd be one of my youngest patients. So I think also maybe people who aren't 
actively pursuing fertility treatment don't really recognize the wide range Mm -hmm. of ages that we are willing and do successfully treat. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think maybe part of it is that, you know, long ago, I think a lot of people weren't very educated. They didn't know that as you get older, your fertility declines. But these days, we're hearing it from all directions, which I think is good. We're educating people. Fertility goes down as you get older. But maybe we're almost going a little too far where it's scaring people to where they're even at a good age where they shouldn't have any age-related problems. But but now they're feeling overly anxious because of that constant message that they're hearing. Absolutely. It's such Mm -hmm. a balance just in your life, too. I Mm -hmm. think I have lots of friends that you know, were anxious maybe to find a partner just so that they, you know, could finally have a child. And and, I mean, really, those are like big life decisions, right? And to feel like rushed because of your biological clock. That's the whole reason why I think we really enjoy what we do is because we give women a little bit more freedom to um, have fertility a little bit longer. Things like egg freezing to preserve and even having more aggressive treatment options to get women who are older pregnant. Yeah. And I will say just overall as a trend, the data is strongly showing that women are waiting longer to get pregnant and it's for a variety of different reasons. But I think one of the biggest reasons is for women that are just like us who are doing professional careers that require a lot of education and training. And a lot of us will delay having kids until later because of that. I have to say it kind of makes me sad because I do wish that it was easier to have kids through um, education and training and everything. But I know for me, like, honestly, I couldn't have even afforded to have a child because I was broke in (laughs) college and medical school. Yeah, it's expensive. Daycare is so expensive. Um, And so I knew for me that having kids wasn't an option until I was really um, done with, with all my training. But even when you're done with all your training, then you have to kind of schedule around boards and all of these things, right? Yes. And Mm -hmm. I agree. And I actually, I tell people that I think having kids for me was like one of the biggest career changers for me because (laughs) here's the thing. It helped me actually in a lot of ways. I feel like I have a lot more empathy and understanding now. One, obviously I went through fertility um, treatment and everything like that, but also just to have a child of your own, I feel like it really like shifts your perspective. Mm -hmm. For example, I remember being in residency. There were a few of my co-residents that had a baby in residency Mm -hmm. and it is so challenging. I think back on those mothers and I am just Lord, I mean, yeah. I can't, I can't even understand how they did it mm-hmm. now. I mean, they would be pumping between C-sections, you know, just craziness. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of understanding mm-hmm. or even the ability to empathize yeah. about that. I just was completely out of my realm. Yeah. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, I really wish that we would have given them way more time yeah. and availability and, you know, yeah. freedom, but yeah. it was so hard in residency. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people... Women are, I mean, really impressive. Yes, <laughs> things exactly. that they can do. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you know maybe part of our many goals that we always work on is trying to maybe encourage educational systems and programs to be more family friendly, friendly to start with. But in the meantime, too, I think our role is really trying to help women, you know, know about their fertility, preserve their fertility, and when they're ready, help them to get pregnant. Absolutely. Um, and so I think preparation is definitely key with all of that. 
Yeah, just even like you're saying, more and more people understanding and being aware has really, really helped just to look into it. Seeing a lot more patients that just want to know more about their fertility, you know, at their age. Absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting to actually bring up the definition of advanced maternal age. Okay. Um, So I think first, it's helpful to just understand some background as to how the medical field came up with Mm -hmm. advanced maternal age. So the, the acronym we use is AMA. Um, So they say that if you're 35 or above, that is AMA and was and probably still is considered more of a high risk pregnancy. But you might ask yourself, why did they randomly Mm -hmm. pick age 35? And the reason was kind of back in the olden days, (laughs) um, a lot of times they knew that if you're older, your pregnancy could be at higher risk of having chromosomal problems like Down syndrome or things like that. And so um, oftentimes women were offered a procedure called amniocentesis where They put a needle in and drew out some amniotic fluid and sent it off for genetic testing so that the mother could know if the baby had a chromosomal problem. But the issue with doing an amniocentesis is, especially at the time, because that was a long time ago, is that there is risk to the pregnancy when you do an amniocentesis. And so you don't want to end up doing an amniocentesis and find out the baby was fine and then unfortunately lose the baby or something like that. And so what is that risk? Well, They chose an age where they felt that the risk of having a baby with a chromosomal problem was higher than the risk of losing a pregnancy from an amniocentesis. And when that intersected was around age 35. So around age 35, chances of having a child with a chromosomal problem somewhere around 1 in 270. And at that time, that was around the um, risk of a loss from amniocentesis. Now, I will say... In modern day times, we don't even do amniocentesis as frequently as before because you can actually test for chromosomal problems through the blood as a screening test anyways. Sometimes you still have to do an amniocentesis to confirm. Um, but the other thing is the technology for amniocentesis has gotten much better and the right. risk of fetal loss is much, much lower now. I think it's like one in a thousand or something like that. So it's interesting that we've still kept this definition of AMA, even though it's kind of based on this older historic information. And so, you know, when somebody is around 35 or something, I really try to give them that the reassurance that, oh, that's just based on old stuff. You know, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, our world has changed, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think women now are much more aware of just their health and I think start to really focus on things, especially once they you know, get into their 30s. And so I think even the difference probably from 20 years ago to now, 35 year old women are probably healthier, Mm -hmm. you know, and. Yeah. Depending, you know, yeah. course, you know, our population definitely we're dealing with obesity and things like that. But I think there's a lot more just health awareness in general, especially for women who are considering becoming moms. So who knows if the risk is really as mm-hmm. high as it even used to be? Yeah. Well, um, for one, I actually can't remember actually the ages that I was at all the different pregnancies. <laughs> but I know for at least one, my last one, I was over the age of 35. But did you know the the code oh, for it? I hate this. The code I- is elderly multi-pathic. Yes. And I couldn't believe they had to use an elderly code on me. Elderly. They have elderly and they have geriatric, geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) So this is something else we need to work on on our to-do list is to advocate for more patient-friendly coding. There's no reason to call a woman over the 35, uh, over the age of 35 elderly. We can have kinder terminology (laughs) um, for us. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I will say that if somebody's over the age of 35, it does affect some of the counseling we do and especially some of the treatments we do because yes, the fertility can rapidly start to decline after age 35. And I think one of the nice things is with modern technology, you know how we talked about amniocentesis to um, check for chromosomal abnormalities, but nowadays we can do it at the embryo level before you even get pregnant, right? So, right. I, I definitely use 35 as just like a basic marker for mm -hmm. when I may encourage more strongly that my patients consider genetic testing of their embryos. Um, the way I counsel them on fertility is just off the population-based studies that really show around the age of 32, actually, mm -hmm. is where that decline really starts to be obvious, and then much further down the line, 38, where we see a more dramatic decline. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of our patients are kind of somewhere around there in between those ages, and they always ask if they're going through IVF, do you think genetic testing should be done, you know, when is it indicated versus not. And I will say many, many couples opt for genetic testing just right off the bat. They want to do it, you know, but I do try to encourage patients who are above 35, and especially into their late 30s, to go ahead and proceed with genetic testing of the embryos because we know there is a significant risk that you go through all of the IVF process and then ultimately if the embryo we choose is abnormal and we don't know ahead of time, then, you know, ultimately not going to be a successful cycle, which is just really challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because really, I think when we look at the data, you know, in the kind of mid to late thirties, we can expect when you have embryos for maybe about half of them to be abnormal. And so certainly it's going to help you get to your goal faster of a healthy baby. If we're able to know which are the embryos that are normal versus which are the ones that um, and so I think that really gives our modern day patients an advantage over even, you know, 10, 20 years ago mm -hmm. comparing um, to people trying to get pregnant before. And so I think it's just another example of how maybe what used to be considered an older age is nowadays um, something that we're really able to kind of help um, help patients better through that process. Right. And I think what you said was really important. This is something that was always just emphasized in my training, and that was that Genetic testing of the embryos is never going to make your embryos better. Right. It's a tool to help us prioritize mm -hmm. which embryo is most likely going to make a live healthy baby at the end. Yeah. So exactly what Dr. Reed said, that is the true utility of genetic testing. It's yes. trying to get you pregnant sooner. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we couldn't, you know, transfer all six of your embryos and ultimately find the one that had, you know, the ability to make a life healthy pregnancy, but it may take us a couple of failed transfers first before we get to it. Yeah. So it's not that genetic testing is ever going to make it more likely to work. It's that we can identify the embryos first before we select them. Yeah. And I think that's so important because even within the last year, there was this big paper that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine. And the headline was something to the fact of doing genetic testing doesn't increase your chances of, of getting pregnant or having a baby. And they really, it kind of splashed across all the news websites and everybody, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I just was stumped. I'm like, why is every, anybody surprised? We know that doing the testing itself does not change the embryo. And really, I felt like the paper should have been titled differently. I thought the paper should have been titled, doing genetic testing gets you pregnant faster and with a lower miscarriage because those were the findings in the study. But for some reason, they didn't really highlight that. And actually, I felt like that was really disappointing. 
pointing and really discounting the pain that a lot of women feel as they go through a transfer that doesn't work, as they go through a miscarriage. Because really, if the pregnancy rates are indeed the same, why would you not choose the one that works faster and has lower miscarriage rates? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And miscarriages really can significantly delay treatment, mm-hmm. not to mention the emotional burden that that is put on you when you go through them. So yes, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, I wanted to kind of shift to back to Courtney. Okay. So, um, you know, I want to say, what if I had, you know, Courtney coming into my clinic, you know, do I think she's too old to get pregnant? Not at all. Um, in fact, once again, she'd probably be one of my younger patients. (laughs) Um, but I will say that starting at age 45, When I have a patient who wants to get pregnant, I do just ask her to do some additional testing to make sure that her body can handle the stress of pregnancy. I do feel like most women, and I guess as I'm saying this, I realize I'm 45, most women are are very healthy still because a lot of my patients are, you know, healthy eaters and they, you know, keep themselves in good shape and, and they exercise and everything, right? Um, so I do think that it's very reasonable for many of our patients to still have a baby past the age of 45, but to be sure, I usually have them do some additional testing. I want to make sure, of course, they're up to date on their mammogram, on their pap smear. We have them do some basic blood work. And here's one we even actually have them, or at least I don't know, we'll have to see what you do is, um, we actually send them to get a stress test where a cardiologist will evaluate the heart under stress conditions to make sure that the heart can actually handle the stress of a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Do you do that? That was new to me okay. uh, that you do yeah. that, but I, I actually do think it's a really good idea. Yeah. It, there's not a lot of risk to doing it. Right. So I don't think that there's a reason why not just have more information that it will be yeah. healthy pregnancy. But yeah. I didn't know that you did that. And I thought it was a good yeah. idea. Yeah. And then I also require um, that my patient sees a maternal fetal medicine specialist mm-hmm. um, so that she can understand the risk of pregnancy past age 45, because admittedly there are higher risks of certain things like conditions called preeclampsia, where you get high blood pressure, especially towards the end of pregnancy, and it can even be dangerous and and progress to actually significant risk to both the mom and the baby. You can be higher risk of getting diabetes of pregnancy. You can be um, higher risk actually for a number of different conditions. And I do think it's important to not scare the patient, but also just understand from a high risk OB doctor what those risks are and what kind of monitoring you're going to have to undergo during the pregnancy to make sure to keep you and the baby safe. Absolutely. And I just think having a understanding before you enter the pregnancy, because you may change, like, for example, I knew I was high risk for having gestational diabetes. Mm-hmm. So I love carbs all the other times, right? <laughs> but as soon as I'm pregnant, I'm like, okay, I need to be really strict yeah. and pay attention to it. So I think if you know you're at yeah. an increased risk of something, you're probably going to be more thoughtful about it. And that helps, you yeah. know, changing your habits, even the first trimester makes a difference. Yeah. And plus, I think it's just helpful to get established with a high-risk OB doctor anyway. So your primary OBGYN would be the one to deliver you, but they usually consult with a high-risk OB doctor throughout the pregnancy for certain ultrasounds you might need to have and everything. So I think it's great to establish that relationship early on and just to know and um, understand the kind of monitoring that you'll end up doing um, throughout the pregnancy. Um, but, but what's amazing about, I think our fertility is yes, my patients over 45, um, have a lot of trouble trying to get pregnant with their own eggs, but their uterus really retains the ability to have a baby 
after age 45, even past menopause, which is amazing to me. It's really interesting. And so often my patients are using, you know, egg donors or they're doing embryo donation or something like that to get pregnant. But their chances can be as high as 60, 70% chance of getting pregnant in that age group, which I think is really amazing and fascinating as well. It is. It really is. So what is your age sort of cutoff? Do you have a cutoff that you are willing to get someone pregnant? Yes. Okay. So this is a really good question because I was going to tell you a story, which is my oldest patient that I've helped have a baby is 56, but the cutoff that I usually follow is 55. So she's not by me. Okay. And I would not have planned to do that because you know, I'm a rule follower. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We um, usually say like you have to do the embryo transfer by this day. It's yeah. so that delivery is within a certain time. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so um, our national organization for fertility called ASRM does say that it could be reasonable to try to help somebody get pregnant up to age 55, assuming that they've done all the medical clearance and testing that they should and everything. And so with my patient, when she saw me, you know, she was 55 or no, I think she was maybe 54 actually even. And I'm just going to be honest, because she is one of my older patients, I felt a little uneasy about, you know, I just don't know that this is the best idea. Let me tell you about all these risks. And it was kind of funny because she looked at me and she was like, Dr. Reed, I could run circles around you. (laughs) Look how healthy I am. And indeed, she was the picture of that. She really was. Um, But um, but anyways, um, we had just a lot of things that kind of stretched out what took so long for her. Um, They did end up, you know, they used an egg donor. And so at first they were going to use a known egg donor, but then they switched to a known egg donor. Basically, it got stretched out over a long period of time. We finally got embryos, but then even from the time we had embryos, she had just other delays. You know, she had travel and stuff she had to do. And so it wasn't until... We looked at the calendar and realized, oh my gosh, you're 56 now. We really shouldn't be doing this. But then at this point, we already had embryos. And yeah. Said, All right, I'm going to do this, but don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we put the embryo in. She got pregnant. She had a baby. It was actually uncomplicated. Everything went great. But I story. did learn yeah. from that situation, though, that I need to be more aggressively proactive to be like, okay, if you're going to do this, Here's your this is our timeline. Don't try to stretch yeah. me out like before because <laughs> that did make me feel very nervous and uncomfortable right. at the time. I was worried what if something happened mm-hmm. or, or whatever, but I also just didn't mm-hmm. leave her hanging there at the last The other situation so. I get into a lot of times is these patients, like you're saying, they're usually using donor eggs or mm-hmm. maybe even donor embryos. Yeah. So they actually have a lot of embryos, yes, right? Yes. And they are, they'll often tell me, I want two kids. Yes. You know, so then we're really like kind of thinking about mm-hmm. how we can do this because we yeah. also have a restricted timeline from when you deliver your first baby to yes. when it's safe to do another embryo transfer. So there's a lot to consider mm-hmm. if you're thinking about maybe even more than one child. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, especially because sometimes women who are using an egg donor have done prior treatments that did not work. And we, sometimes we even tried to get really aggressive. We put two or three embryos in or something. It didn't work. But when we switched to using an egg donor, then we're using really good quality embryos. So we need to go back to just putting one in at a time. A lot of times they don't want to hear that, right? They say, well, you put two or three in before and it didn't work. And I'm trying to explain, but no, it's a totally different game right. once you're using donor. Um, Very good point. Yeah. Donor mm-hmm. embryos. And In fact, this is where I especially worry about twins because I already said, look, when you're over the age of 45, you're higher risk for preeclampsia. Well, guess what also puts you at higher risk for preeclampsia? (laughs) 
having twins, right? And that those risks can be really compounded. So I really, really stick to just one embryo at a time in my population that is 45 and over um, when they're using tested normal embryos or donor egg embryos or things like that. Mm -hmm. You know what's really unfair about what happened to Courtney? Because I always tell my patients this. Think about Al Pacino. And Robert yeah. Downey. I'm like, seriously, yeah. yes. these men are fathering children into their 80s, yeah. you know, and then here is a 44-year-old woman that yeah. is being shamed. Yeah. I mean, look at the difference of what society oh is gosh. willing to accept. I don't know. Maybe they've been shamed, but no, like, I don't think Al Pacino is being shamed. That's a really, really good point. I didn't even think that because I told you my oldest female patient is 56. My oldest male patient is in his 70s. Yeah. So you're absolutely Same, right. right. Yeah. I have a few guys in their yeah. 70s as mm-hmm. well. And we don't blink an eye, no. you know, because, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, sperm really doesn't have, a, yeah. it, it has some effects, right? right? And some risk to the children and the offspring, yeah. but very minimal can yeah. compare. It's possible at mm-hmm. least where, yeah. although I will say this, because I mentioned the guidelines in, in the U.S. are 55 or less. There are stories of, in other countries, people going beyond these guidelines. Oh, yes. So, for example, yes. did you hear about the lady in India? It was a couple of years ago. I think she was like, 76. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. yeah, that's, oh, and gosh. she was in the ICU and everything. Oh my gosh. I was like, oh, so yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of stress on your yeah. body yeah. In, in your seventies. Pregnancy yeah. is hard well, on your body. Well, and it put her in the yeah. ICU, so it's, yeah. you know, clearly it doesn't sound like her body was able to handle it, but I mean, she did survive and the baby survived, but still I'm sure everybody was very worried um, throughout oh. that process. So oh, yeah, that's a lot. All right, should we wrap it up for the week? Yeah, y'all have a good week. All right, thank you guys. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.